Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hi and hello, football fans. Your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. The Around the NFL podcast has ball control issues. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hannes, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. To my right, they call him the boss. I call him Greg. Greg Rosenthal. Hey, Dan. Wait. And This is weird. It's a little different today. <laughs> and to my left, a man who really needs no introduction on the show. But a man that comes from the New Jersey Haunted Mansion. And once a year, the satellites align, and he ends up in the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, Connor Orr. What's going on? Mm. Wow. It's great to be back for my annual NFL-like microchip change. They just come out here and they probe you for a few days, and then you get sent back on. Program you. Give you new equipment. I thought it was an interesting power move you said. I'll do the show this week, but no Sessler, no <laughs> Wesseling. I want as much airtime as possible. We're like, all right, you're the big, you're the guy, so we'll do it. I call- Go ahead, Connor. Well, just, it was nice of you to change some things around. I just <laughs> feel like uh, you know, I need some more airtime. I call this the Rubik's Cube of the, around the NFL podcast. You want to see how many different permutations you can get of people in the studio, and never before has there been a, a, a three-legged dog of Orr, Hansus, and Rosenthal. <laughs> That's true. So it's historic, the show. And really. Wes will be back. Connor, Mike, uh, Mark, rather. Wow, just went through him. You okay, uh, buddy? He's on vacation this week. Oh, he's on vacation. All right. <laughs> the text we were getting from him yesterday, he is very much on vacation. He's enjoying it. Uh, Wes will be back for the next two shows of the week. Though. Couldn't help that the, the money drop today – uh, that we have ball control issues goes back to what we learned about Mark in his underpants last week's show. Oh, last week's program. Good call. Nice yeah. job by Brandon. Yes, behind the glass. Um, by the Brandon behind the glass. By the way, big game, tough twenty three twenty one loss for the Shield in softball last Thursday. Ooh, I didn't know. Yeah, um, really a great comeback that just fell short. But you know, Brandon had nothing to hang his head about. He uh, did you go three for four or four for four? Four for four. Four for wow. four. Fell uh, fell one double shy of the cycle, and hit a grand slam. Wow! So, Connor uh, making the most of his uh, his playing time. Brandon and I've always said, Brandon, this is a meritocracy. You bought yourself some PT with that game. That, that's what I'm talking about. But you know, I have to say, I'm still upset with that last at bat, though. 
Yeah, yeah. The, it, that was going straight for the hole. For those that were either watching on television <laughs> or uh, at the game, uh, we were down a few runs in the last inning with the tying run at the plate in the form of McGinnis. And um, he puts one up the gap. Maybe the game's tied. He scorches one, but it hits the pitcher right in the shin. Go, gets credited with an RBI single, but you're left to think what would have been if he just would have gotten under it a little bit. I hope that guy's shin broke. <laughs> <laughs> He's a competitor. That's why we call him the Irishman. Well, it's not why we call him the Irishman, but that's who he is. Great game, Brandon. Uh, today's show with Connor Orr. Thanks. Now, now a married man. Congratulations. Thank you. It's uh, it's weird. It's uh, being married is like a totally different set of uh, circumstances now. All the cards have changed. I like it. Does it change? Is it? Is it any different? I found like the major difference is like before I was married, I was like, man, like I want to work out and look like Brad Pitt from Fight Club, and now I'm kind of like. I just hope I turn out to look like the dad from the Wonder Years. Like I just, you know, like a little bit menacing and vaguely in shape. And Wait, so from prime Brad Pitt to Dan, Dan Loria? Loria? Yeah. Well, it makes it makes sense because, you know, when I saw you at the Super Bowl and all the other times I've seen you, I always think, wow, this is a guy that's working hard to look like Dan. <laughs> He's got a solid bod. Um, today's show. The three-legged dog, a unique three-legged dog here in the studio. Um, Connor, since he's here, this is going to be a very Connor-centric, really week. It's Connor week here at the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, and we're going to talk about one uh, week-long um, column idea that Connor has. Who are the Cinderella's and who are the pumpkins of the upcoming 2016 season? So there are teams every year, every single year. Uh, there are teams that, you know, they were not good the previous year, and then they make some moves that get the fan base and also football pundits like ourselves excited. And Connor cuts through all the BS, and he's going to say, which ones should you actually have high hopes for? That about sums it up, right, Connor? That was, like, the best because I was trying to explain it to Greg for, like, a week when I was writing it, and it just didn't hit home. But if I had just said what you said now, then well, there the, would have been. Well, the <laughs> issue was we needed a headline. That That's not going to fit in uh, in. 30 words or, le- or way less than 30 words, like 10 what? words. Or Separating the uh, Cinderella's yeah. from the pumpkins. That's good. Pumpkins. Also, um, we'll get into some other things. Other kind of Connor uh, minutiae we'll get into a little <laughs> later in the show. Put it that way. Feel free to turn off now. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but uh, before we do any of that, there's, uh, despite this being the slow time in the NFL, there's a lot of news. So, Irishman, let's get to it, baby. Rosebud. That's right. And there's there's the tease, little Rosebud that was, of course, from the famous movie Citizen Kane, who, which was on the a- AFI Top 100. Spoiler. Uh, or, horrible <laughs> movies. Spoiler alert. Uh, you know, Connor Orr's movie review of the classics, which was supposed to be a off-season series for the show. We haven't heard much about it, so a little later in the show, stick a pin in it now. We'll find out what's going on with horrible movies. People are, are a little nervous. People are asking questions. I, I've I've seen the Reddit posts, but uh, fear not. I've <laughs> I've been in the lab. I'm working. You know, I've I've been studying. Pen and a paper in a lab, trying to get this damn label off. Ooh, <laughs> name the song. <laughs> name uh, Doctor Dre. Good, good, good. You know, the the first one he came back mm. with aftermath. What was it? Forgot about Dre. Forgot about Dre. All right, here we go. Let's do some news. I'll give you half credit there, Greg. Uh, let us start with Richard Sherman, who uh, was uh, interviewed by our own 
guys. Mike Robinson, who is a former teammate in Seattle of the uh, of Richard Sherman, and uh, the topic of Marshawn Lynch came up when this interview took place at Robinson's youth football camp. Will Beast Mode remain retired? Now, the assumption for a lot of people, you know, maybe not this wasn't the smartest thing to do, is that once Beast Mode <clears throat> puts up the Instagram Twitter photo of his cleats hanging from the the cables, and I guess the Seahawks put him on the reserve retired list that it is over. But Richard Sherman points out maybe maybe we should just pump the brakes on assuming Marshawn Lynch's NFL career is over. Here's the quote. I don't put anything past him. He's about as predictable as a pair of dice. So I don't try call I don't try to call his plays. Marshawn Lynch potentially still in the picture. That would be a big boost, Connor, to the Seahawks, right? Still a stud. They said as predictable as a pair of dice, as one of our readers pointed out, so he has a 1 in 36 chance of actually coming back to the NFL. But <laughs> that seems about right. <laughs> but that it's it would be such a great Lynch thing to do, right? And and it helps. It's a win-win for him because he has no patience for any of that off-season minutia and the training camp and getting coached up again. If he about Connor just, or minutia. Exactly. Yeah. yeah well, different. Different. <laughs> totally different. Yeah. Uh, and, and if he could just show up in November, play three or four games, and help Seattle get back into the playoffs or into the Super Bowl, I think he'd love that. Oh, that's how you would picture it? That he would sit out all camp, the oh, season yeah. would get going, oh, yeah, and then all I of a sudden he would materialize? Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. If ever there was a Lynch comeback, I think it's coming after Thanksgiving or it's November. Oh. Look, Sherman wasn't saying he had any sort of inside information. This is the offseason. It's quiet. This is It's not like huge news. But this paired with Michael Bennett, last week or two weeks ago, said he thought Lynch was retired for right now, that he might make an appearance, but he think he's done for right now. So these are guys who know him pretty well that think maybe maybe he could just come back. I don't know if the Seahawks – this sounds crazy, but I don't know if the Seahawks team would necessarily want him back. He also has an oh. exorbitant contract at, at the moment, which in theory – go back on I, I don't know I think they'd have to cut him and he'd go somewhere else the, who wants to do that the financials of it that's a good point but when I'm just strictly looking at the roster Thomas Rawls was you know a borderline sensation when he started playing but then he suffered what looked like a pretty serious lower leg injury uh ankle injury and you don't know what kind of guy he's going to be coming back uh Kristen Michael you're going to get excited about him I'm not going to uh they had they had the rookie that they drafted uh three rookies Oh, they, oh, yeah, Alex Collins, Zach Brooks, and CJ, help me with the last Procise. one. Procise. Procise, I think they're excited about, but you don't, you know, you don't, it's not like it's a loaded backfield. No, but I, I don't think, I think his teammates love him. I don't know if the Seahawks loved him by the end of it. They, <laughs> they had a back and forth relationship between the front office, the coaching staff, and Marshawn Lynch throughout his time there. I, th- I think they thought, you know, we got a nice run of Marshawn Lynch. That was, that's over. All right, moving on. A lot to get to, guys. Keep the train rolling. Tom Brady's lawyers will file a is petition. Is it a train or is it a three-legged dog? Three-legged, it? three-legged train. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the sl- throne of sleaze. <laughs> Tom Brady's lawyers will file a petition Monday for a rehearing of his suspension case. This is still happening. <laughs> case against the NFL before the U.S. Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York. Former U.S. Solicitor General Ted Olson told ABC News in an exclusive old Ted bomb in an exclusive interview that Brady's team will petition for a, a rehearing on banc, a request in French that's on bench. I don't know why we don't just say on bench. Let's get rid of the on banc. Listening on to banc. Ian Rappaport, our NFL media insider, saying the words on banc is just ridiculous. Ian, come back to me. 
A request for all of the active judges on the Second Circuit to hear the case, rehear the case. This is uh, Olson, old Ted Bomb. The facts here are so drastic and so apparent that the court should rehear it, uh, he told ABC News. Four-game suspension was reinstated by a uh, court of appeals. This is Tom Brady's last chance to duck this thing. Uh, will it work out, Greg? Well, I want to say it doesn't seem like it's his last chance. That I don't <sighs> understand this issue very well at all. But all that I've read about it is that this is a huge long shot, like less than half of 1% actually. Uh, is reheard like this. But if this doesn't happen, then, then they could try to petition to the Supreme Court or there's all sorts of things. That the UN. They could just they'll do me. everything. Kill me. I think the idea is that Tom Brady and his lawyers are going to fight this in every way possible just to hope to get another stay or something like that. I think it's a win for all of us because if you actually read all the decisions, like things that lawyers write in those things are full of just the greatest explosive language. Like they Ugh. just everything has like a like an adverb, like wildly irresponsible or like <laughs> abhorrently unfair. And like I really like that. I'm a fan of of legalese, <laughs> so I'm in on this. You like that big time? You like just digging through all that minutia. All right, you can write all the Manusha posts. Monday. I think I have so far, Yeah, <laughs> except for today. You've been all over this uh, story. So we'll see what happens, but uh, Tom Brady clearly exhausting his legal capabilities before he takes this ban. Uh, let's move on uh, to literally the opposite of the New England Patriots, the Cleveland Browns, who uh, announced on Monday that they have released <clears throat> wide receiver Brian Hartline, the veteran 29 years old and former um, what what did we call it? The Heartline. Well, I had a theory. You know, Wes's Dalton scale took off. That was a big hit. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, I had something called the Heartline. This is the Heartline, by the way. <laughs> and the Heartline. Oh, oh, whoa! Poor Brian bro. Heartline. Come on. That's Until it. he signs with another team, he's dead. If Brian's out there <laughs> listening, I don't approve of this one. He's not. Um, <laughs> the Heartline was it was actually specific to his contract that he signed in Miami. It was a six and a half million dollar year. Hey, this is kind of the I'm a starting wide receiver, six and a half million dollar contract. And every contract <clears throat> signed that was a receiver after that had to kind of go over it because it's like, well, we're a little like that's the medium. That's like the lowest level of starting wide receiver contract. We got to go over the Heartline. Mm, so yeah, and Heartline. <laughs> With a bad Cleveland team last year, 523 yards and 46 catches, two touchdowns in 12 games before suffering a season-ending injury. This is, again, a move by the Browns. And, Connor, you are you identify as a Cleveland fan. Uh, once again, a, sign, a useful player, Brian Hartline. No one's going to go crazy about him. But uh, they don't have any wide receiver depth, really, when you factor in. You got Corey Coleman, of course, brought in ultimately right away now the number one guy and Josh – uh, Gordon floating somewhere. Terrell Pryor. Uh, Terrell Pryor. Is, is this another move? Is, are the Browns just kind of just tanking and just letting all the kids play and seeing what sticks during a 2-14? and 14? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is like uh, I, I like the Browns draft because they almost borrowed philosophies from like the three or four best GMs in football. And what they're doing right now is just letting a bunch of cheap young guys knock each other off the roster. And, you know, Heartline stands in the way of getting playing time. The only thing I didn't like, though, is that they knew that they were going to draft that many wide receivers. They always say give a guy a chance to actually get into a camp mm. maybe a little bit before the turn of the yeah. summer in the dead period. And now poor Heartline's just kind of floating around. It's Memorial Day weekend. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, we did the uh, NFL dot com uh, projected starters nfl.com slash starters 
Hartline, nice. n- not on the starting lineup. But I just right now put rookie to be named later. You have Coleman. You have Andrew Hawkins, who's not a lock to make the team, but I think he'll make it. He's played with Hugh Jackson before. And then you have a late-round rookie pick they are counting on essentially playing starter snaps, unless it's Terrell Pryor, someone like Jordan Payton or Rashard Higgins. And these guys are fifth-round pick rookies that you're saying, okay, you're going to go play 600 snaps for us, most likely. If they're a disaster in the offseason, then the Browns will just sign someone like a Hartline, I think, in, in August to, to fill the gap. This, again, reminds me, and you see this all the time in old Bill Parcellsism, uh, guys like Brian Hartline, uh, can be viewed as what he called progress stoppers. The guy that's around yeah. 30 is not a, a star player or a big-time player, and really, ultimately, he's keeping younger guys from showing whether they can play so, or not. So who's the heart line now? That was kind Ooh, of the base question. level of like a starting wide receiver in the NFL. Hmm. Trying to think who signed in this. Rashard Matthews? That's interesting. He's kind of an up-and-coming, so that's a, it's a little confusing. I, I like where you're going, Dan. I'm going to go with Mohamed Sanu. Because oh, I feel like that's a good one. I feel like Mohamed Sanu is like a role player that got that nice contract, and now if you're a wide receiver as a free agent next year, you're like, I should make more than Mohamed oh. Sanu. I, he only he only had 400, you know, he only had 500 yards. He had one good season. That's kind of but that's the heartline. Heartline got kind of a representative contract for his skill level at the time of his signing with Miami. Didn't yeah, that's Sanu fair. get overpaid a little bit in Atlanta? Doesn't that mess up the Sanu line? Well, like the Dalton <laughs> scale, it's it's tough to. It's really, an imperfect science. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been at the center of a messy contract uh, stalemate with the Jets for months now. Uh, but we have heard, you know, next to nothing from the man himself. By the way, <clears throat> Connor, used to cover the Jets. Uh, you did famously. Did you know that Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? This is the first I'm hearing of this. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is he's a smart cookie. And uh, he has stayed out of the press during this uh, this messy squabble. Uh, he did resurface, however, at a charity golf outing hosted by Willie Colon on Monday. I love charity golf outings because it's the only way to get news this time of year. I love Willie Colon, too, by the way. Big Will, you like him? He was a neighbor of mine. We went to, we went to the same ShopRite Liquors. You right? got a good Willie story? I it was like before Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend once, and I remember seeing all the employees like following him around the store, and he had like a giant old school Charlotte like Larry Johnson jersey. It was great. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, that's how at, great at it the is. The old package store. That's what we used to call them in Massachusetts. Packies. Packies. The liquor store. We call it the liquor. Is store it open? Is it closed in New Jersey on Sundays? Though it's some of the most bi- like insane Byzantine Northeast liquor laws. You didn't Jersey was it. that for a while. No, it was, well, it's Pennsylvania because oh, okay. you can't sell beer and liquor in the same location, and you can't sell anything on Sunday. Right, Massachusetts has similar or or the same laws. It's insane that they're living that way. It's the year 2016. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't say he was yelling, but he has a point. Anyway, so Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, spoke to Sirius XM NFL Radio uh, at Big Willie's golf outing. Uh, he said that, um, you know, he's definitely playing this year. Uh, they asked him about, well, let's, let's hear it from Ryan Fitzpatrick himself. He was asked about some of those things thrown out by his camp, I assume, retirement rumors. I'll play. Uh, I'll rather not play than get uh, get hosed in my contract situation. This is what he said about the retirement rumors. I want to play. You know, I love playing the game of football. I had a great time. Probably my, my best season last year in terms of how much fun I had with the guys, you know, out there every Sunday. And um, so it's just it's something I still really enjoy doing and something I want to continue to do. 
it's been widely it's widely believed that the Jets are offering around eight to ten million dollars. Uh, he's looking for probably close to double that. And uh, again, you know, we've talked about this a lot on this show, um, Connor. It, the idea that I could see he threw thirty one touchdowns last year. He got along famously. So he kind of saved the Jets' asses after uh, the IK incident with Geno Smith. And and he looks up and you know a guy like Kirk Cousins is making twenty million this year and the Jets want to play, pay him less than half that I can see why he's trying to play hardball even if it probably won't work. There's no reason for him. I mean you know he already knows the offense. Uh, he already has relationships with the best two receivers that he's going to be working with and in, in tight end. And so w- why does he need to be there? I mean a lot of veterans too just like not having to do this stuff in, in May and June. I mean, no, he's the annoying, quarterback. You know? It's a little different when you're the quarterback. You're trying to get timing down. Some of these receivers, you know, obviously Marshall and Decker. Should he had a broken leg this time last year. He didn't really even show up till training camp. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I thought this, this if you're a Jets fan, uh, as you are, Dan, mm-hmm. I thought this was a legitimate um, item here today on Monday that I would feel even better about Ryan Fitzpatrick re- reporting. Like, every... Every time we've been talking about Fitzpatrick, we just assume he's going to be back. Now hearing from him, it really made me assume that he's going to be back because I read these comments as like, I'm going to be on the Jets. Yeah, and, and, I, and I wrote in the piece we have up that you know he didn't sound in, ter- in terms of tone or what he said, angry or bitter. It seems like he still gets at this. This is just a business situation that's not really going to plan. Uh, just I've been saying it for weeks now and months. If, he, if, if the Jets are offering 10 – and he wants 16, you know, just give him 12 or 13 and be done with it. Come on. Why does life have to be so complicated? I think they're offering him eight or nine or something. Negotiator Dan, though, I like the way you think. I thought he was making a statement to his teammates out there, too, kind of like, hey, don't forget about me. I'll be there soon. But yeah. I guess it was just there happened to be Willie Colon's golf function today, and Sirius Radio was there for some wild reason. There was also that like period of brief <laughs> confusion where like uh, I think it was like Decker said, "Well, I'm fine with Gino and then but I don't understand Hackenberg." And that's a bad like, headline. Brandon Marshall was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm great with Hackenberg, but I don't understand you." And like nobody knows who's going to be the starter of this team. It's going to be Bryce Petty. <laughs> Petty's not making the team. That reminds me of like two years ago and somebody that shall not be named from this network predicted in around this time of year that Taj Boyd would be the Jets week one starter. <laughs> he was cut like 14 weeks later. He was once number eight on Mel's big board. Taj? Taj. Yeah. Well, Christian Hackenberg was, was once number one, I believe. On- so it, Jevin Sneed was number one once. Uh, moving on. <laughs> the former coach of the New York Jets is Rex Ryan. Uh, and he likes to talk, as we know, and Greg, he likes to talk, and Greg doesn't like to hear it sometimes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Greg wrote a post uh, on your rare Sunday shift. How was that, by the way? But I like a Sunday shift. No one, you know, you're kind of off on your own. You're just doing your own thing. It's quiet. Your family's looking news. for you. It's like, where is Papa? I, wor- I worked that. <laughs> I'm writing about Rex Ryan in May. <laughs> I've know. worked a lot of these. I shows. did have someone. I did have someone respond to me when I when a Jay Ajayi post uh, went up. You know that he's separating from the pack. Someone <laughs> just responded like, "Go outside." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so Rex talked to Don Banks of SI.com. Uh, Shaq Lawson, of course, the first round pick, undergone underwent shoulder surgery last week, which uh, the Bills caught a lot of bad PR for. Uh, Rex says it doesn't change his long term outlook of the defender. That's part of the deal with Shaq. We drafted him for the long haul uh, success, not for one season. They say me and Doug Whaley share the blame. You're damn right we do. We'll share the blame. That's fine. That is such a Rexism. 
and then a little later in the interview, Odell Beckham uh, comes up when on the subject of Sammy Watkins, of course, who suffered the uh, foot injury that's going to lay him out for most of the summer. Ryan compared Watkins to Odell Beckham, uh, who missed a bunch of practices, we remember, because of hamstring issues as a rookie before he blew up in 2014. Here's Rex, what he said about that. The Beckham kid came out, of, came out the same year, and he missed how many games with a hamstring issue? Believe me, I was trying to trade for him when he had the hamstring. <laughs> I was reading the papers, and I was like, well, hell, we'll take him. But Sammy's not going to miss any time. He's going to be ready to roll when it matters, Ryan said. Uh, Greg, tell us why you're annoyed by Rex. Uh, it's just such a Rex answer. It's distracting from the entire point. It's making <laughs> himself look like a hero. I saw headlines that were like like the Jets – the Jets could have had Odell Beckham. You know, Rex. <laughs> he, here's how I translate That's bad that. blogging. Yeah, here's how I translate. I, believe me, I was trying to trade with for him when he had the hamstring. I was reading the papers. Uh, maybe once in the office or two, uh, he brought it up to John Idzek. Like, I told you we should have taken Odell Beckham. It's like, John, wake up. Wake up. I have an idea. <laughs> it's like, what? What? Like th- this whole quote is a him sticking it to John Idzik once again, trying to make himself. It's not like they picked up the phone and tried to trade for Odell Beckham because they know that was completely illogical and impossible. No one is trading their first round rookie wide well, receiver a couple weeks into his career. And it just distracts from the point, which is that Sammy Watkins is hurt all the time and that they took a number one draft pick that they said literally right afterwards, the shoulder is not a concern about Shaq Lawson and he gets a surgery that week. And now Rex is backing up and just saying, whoa, whoa, put it on me. Put all the blame on me. You know, Reggie Ragland would have been our first round pick anyway. He threw that one in too. So we feel like we got two first round picks. Well, I feel like I have a master's degree in Rex and, and Connor might even have me beat because he actually covered the man. Connor, what do you think? It's not even half truth for Rex. It's like half thoughts like he's like <laughs> it's almost like a, a half speed Robin Williams like there's a lot of bizarre stream of consciousness stuff going on and I think think he just doesn't remember a lot of the things that he's saying even at the beginning of a sentence and well, so that's what gets him in trouble sometimes well, we all tell this is a you know famous uh, Joan Didion quote uh, Chris <laughs> Wessling would appreciate that one you know that we all tell right ourselves am. stories in order to live like everyone does that a little bit you kind of sure. recraft your own uh, narrative of your life uh, in order to sort of fit your needs on some level. I think Rex just does that in a really extreme way publicly. Like, I think he believes all this. Like, he is the star of the Rex Ryan show in his mind, and he creates these little little stories, and that's how it goes. But the best part was there were, like, three teams that did try to trade with the Giants, and the Jets weren't one of them. Like, they weren't. <laughs> I mean, like, so it's, you're just making it up at this point. Well, one of the things they did on that Sunday shift, Dan, is you have a little more time. Whoa. I'm, well, I'm not coming easy out. there <laughs> was go read the newspapers and, you know, you check out the different articles and maybe you're not going to do a post on it. But one thing I saw in the Buffalo news was a very anti Rex and Whaley column from one of their columnists that like we can't trust these guys anymore, that they've they've run out of they've run out of belief. So I thought that was interesting. And then I saw a mailbag, too, with a lot of Bills fans essentially having the same sentiment that that these guys like they don't know what they're doing or you know we can't really trust what they're saying publicly they're just building up and it started to remind me of 2014 in New York or even 2013 mm. that Rex has not really gotten out of that phase it's almost like it's carried over or or whatever honeymoon phase there was in Buffalo it's over now. there was it's over. and I remember when I last summer when I was writing the pain rankings interviewing Luke Russert, who is the son of Tim Russert, who is perhaps the most famous Bills fan, passed away uh, suddenly a few years back. And Luke is a diehard as well. 
And I remember asking him about Rex because if you remember the excitement at this time last year, You're right. they had rolled out stories that the jet, that the Bills had set records for how many season tickets they had sold. And Luke said, oh, if Rex even gets us to the playoffs, we're going to build him a statue. That's how excited people were. But it's funny how the, the spell wears off quickly. Because he never changes the tune. It's all the same. Like, we've seen this play out really slowly and painfully in New York over five years. And, and they're not enough. They're not an untalented team either. If they if they manage to go ten and six, then everyone will love him again. But I just think he his act and the way that it ended in New York and it started here in Buffalo. That if they don't, if they go seven and nine, there's going to be serious unrest and it might be a two and out. And people forget, and we should move on. But people forget that uh, Rex had four straight seasons with the Jets where they didn't make the playoffs before he got fired, and he only got all that rope because they went to the AFC title game the first two years he was there. So really now he's a five-year loser. And the Bills didn't get any of those the playoff glory, so there's no rope to be had. So it kind of makes sense that he barely survived last year. All right, moving on. Uh, the NFL owner spring meetings started this week. Uh, one big item on the list, uh, if you love the Super Bowl and NFL, uh, you know what's going on in the world of the NFL, right, Greg? <laughs> Is where Super Bowl fifty three, fifty four, and fifty five will take place. Uh, that will be decided this week in Charlotte at the meetings. And uh, here are the options. Atlanta, Miami, L.A., Tampa, and New Orleans. And of those five, Atlanta, Miami, and L.A. are considered favorites. Atlanta and L.A. because they'll have new stadiums, which the NFL has shown time and time again now that they reward you for that. And Miami, who after years of not putting in the money into their facility until the point where the NFL said, well, we're never going to bring the Super Bowl back here until you do it. Now they've pumped in almost half a billion dollars into fixing up uh, that stadium in Miami. They'll probably get one. And, Greg, that angers you, doesn't it? Because that means Tampa, who cares? But the New Orleans Saints and their Superdome – could be ignored. I'm not. I'm not giving up on the Saints pulling off an upset. This is going to happen Tuesday, so we'll be quick on it. We could always t- we can talk about it afterwards. Tampa has no chance. Atlanta and LA are locks, probably for the the final two of those Super Bowls because LA won't be ready uh, for the first mm-hmm. one and maybe not the second. And so it's really the first one. It'll be Miami versus New Orleans. I think they might want to have a sentimental give Tom Benson, who the league likes. He's 88 years old. People love New Orleans. You know, Tom Benson, Stephen Ross, let's go with Benson. I mean, give the great city of New Orleans. That should be the city that has a Super Bowl just scheduled every five years or whatever. Miami can wait. South Florida. Well, I mean, I'm with you. Of all the Super Bowl cities, and I've been to five now, New Orleans was the best suited for the the week of insanity that is Super Bowl week. But you have to factor in there was probably some, you know, handshake agreements with uh, Dolphins ownership, Gloria Stefan, Mark Anthony, <laughs> and the entire sound machine down there. And if you fix up this dump, we're going to take care of you because... Uh, generally, you know. yeah. That's so, generally how it works. But I think New Orleans has a small chance to, to pull the upset and be, get the third one. Atlanta and L.A., those seem like locks. I think that the Superdome's still grounded because of the power outage. How about that? I think it's a, a decade-long grounding they're going to get. Please. It's just bad luck. <laughs> and lastly, guys, one last note. J.J. Watt announced this weekend uh, that he has a new logo. Um, it is. It was posted on his Instagram account with the uh, caption, my logo, my vision, my goals, hashtag hunt greatness. And it's two J's back-to-back. Uh, if you turn it over, it kind of looks like... Oh, hell, I don't know, a butterfly? An M? 
Uh, Didn't they say it was something to do with to the Wisconsin? Oh, the logo is designed to look like rising buildings built from the bottom up, a metaphor for work ethic for what? This is from ESPN, who was a walk-on before he received a scholarship at the University of Wisconsin. And here's here's the corker, uh, Connor, or I'm going to read the quote from J.J. Waddy told this to, I guess, Darren Ravel. I have always dreamed of being able to use my experience to create something truly great, something I believed would legitimately improve people's performance and training. I wanted the ability to put my own personal stamp of approval on tools that I thought would help people perform better, and that is what this logo has allowed me to do. Tools. I wish you weren't a liar. <laughs> Tool is right. What kind of tool? Like, he's he's so good at pretending he's not kind of a goober, but he is. I mean, this Isn't is he just, so bad at pretending that he's not a goober? He's just like, oh, you know, the fans want to know, and it's like, your fans aren't up at 1230 when you're Snapchatting them from the weight room. You know, I mean, they're, they're not up that late. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, listen, an all-time athlete, but we want to see you, you know, be real with us. This, this logo is not. This got you, you guys, especially uh, Dan. You were fired up. I don't know the quote that the logo has allowed him to reach out to people and help them perform better. That's like something someone got in his ear, some one of his seventeen brand managers, and he's just regurgitating, and it doesn't make him seem like an authentic person. I'm sorry. Brand copy is never good, uh, you know, and but that is all time. That is that should be when you see it, you know, I personally have a hand in the products creation and I give it my personal stamp of approval. It sounds like he's making like a like a political stance or something like this. Like this. I endorse this this logo. And plenty of guys have logos like Tom Brady has a silly logo. He'll wear it on a hat all the time. TB12. But Tom Brady at least has people that don't have him giving interviews where he sounds like a uh, public relations uh, assistant. I mean, just you just got to pull back a little bit. I don't know. He's too busy in the kitchen, you know, cooking up those recipes for that. Yeah. Oh, the the cookbook? Oh, yeah. Little Himalayan salt, no egg. You were you were saying it's sold out, Connor. You wanted to buy one, one of the Tom Brady cookbooks, but it's just sold out. Not only is it sold out, but the pre-order for the reprint is sold out cuz it's a living document. You really want this book, huh? Yeah. It's only 80 pages right now, but then you get exclusive access to <laughs> new recipes <laughs> after the fact. It's like, like the life of Pablo. <laughs> it keeps changing you know, well after it's released. Uh, all right. So that's what's happening in the news. A lot of news. Let's move on now and uh, talk about who are the Cinderella's and who are the Pumpkins, uh, Connor, or this is how many pieces are you doing this week? Five, one for every day of the week. Maron. Uh, so you started out on Monday with a piece on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, how do we want to do this? Do we want to go team by team, each of the five teams? All right, let's start with the Jags, and you could see this. Uh, is this is there a vanity URL involved here? There, there should. There will be. There will be. Okay, for now. You how just... about NFL.com slash Cinderella? That's the vanity URL. We'll get that done. And if you want to see Connor's entire library, NFL.com slash or O-R-R. Are you kidding me? Uh, all right. Let's start with the Jags. 5-11 and 11 last season. And uh, we all know what they've done. Uh, even though Jalen Ramsey now is on the shelf, they think he'll uh, get healthy after that knee surgery and be a contributor this year. But they had an offense which was you know, one of the most potent in the league at times last year. Uh, and now they have a defense that's loaded with some talent. Um, and they're getting Dante Fowler back. So a lot of people are buzzy, Connor, about the Jags. And guess what? You believe in them too because your 2016 projection 
is nine and seven, which might not be enough to get to the playoffs, but it's a step in the right direction. That's why I have him as a Cinderella this year. I mean, I think that the plan all along was for this team to put everything into making their moves this year. They still think the division is up for grabs. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey or not, I, I, I don't put a lot of stock into what one rookie cornerback, how he can impact the defense necessarily. But I, I think Number five pick of the draft and a potential starter. But it sounds like he has a good chance of being ready anyway for the start of the season. We just don't we don't know. He's going to miss some off-season work. They lost the seventh round. There's something bad about They just have bad luck. They had lost a seventh-round pick for the season on Monday to an Achilles injury. It's just like something bad in the water. But you're right. They they're just loaded up. You you've been buying in for the Jaguars for years though. You and what you and Sessler. We did. London was our time to really kind of uh, fall in love with the Jaguars. Uh, we really liked that the people in England. Uh, one of their favorite things about them is that we mispronounce the. They believe that we mispronounce the name Jaguar. Yeah, and so uh, that that that's really what started Sessler and I on that path. But seriously, I mean, they've spended they spent well at the top end of free agent markets over the last two years. They have good young players, not crappy old players on bad deals anymore. Does, right. it, does it worry you that everyone's in on them? Oh, it should be a red flag. Are we going to give a yay or nay? Are you are you saying yay or nay on the Jaguars? I hesitate only because the Jaguars are the Jaguars and the idea of you know everyone thinking they're going to be good really does in a in a division that is probably going to be better. Pro- I, even I won't give that completely. A lot of people think all of a sudden the AFC South is just this awesome division that's going to have three playoff teams. But I do, I'm with Connor on this in the sense that I think they could definitely flirt with 10 wins if things go the right direction. I think mean, nine's probably the number I'd go with. So I don't know if that counts as a Cinderella story, but it certainly, certainly yeah. I think keeps so. Gus Bradley's job. I oh, think yeah. for that team, Dave Caldwell. nine wins, nine nine wins, wins would be a huge. Nine wins is a yay. I'm feeling, I'm excited. I think there'll be a lot of fun to watch. You know, seven or eight wins feels Feels a little bit. All right, give me another team that's uh, that's coming up this week on NFL.com. Next, we have the Titans. All right, so let's talk about the Titans, another team now that people are excited about. What do you think, Cinderella or Pumpkin? In this case, <laughs> <laughs> I said Cinderella, but just because I'm having them double their win total from the year before. I have them at six wins. That's not a Cinderella. But that, you're what, doubling. Kind of, what kind of game is this? Cinderella is a team that goes from rags to riches. That's true. The 1991 Minnesota Twins. That was Cinderella, baby. In this case, the, the, the Cinderella story isn't like she got her weekends off, but she still <laughs> had to stay being a maid. This is like gotta a, get the print. This is like a pumpkin hummus. Then it's sort of a you know an in betweener, you know. But you know, I, I think this team is a lot better than they were a year before. Pumpkin I think, hummus. <laughs> I like they're it. good enough to double their win total. I think that's a great Cinderella story, and it might, it, like we said, keep uh, Mike Malarkey's job too, because I mean he's the cheapest coach by millions of dollars in the NFL right now. We should find some type of middle ground between Cinderella and Pumpkin because that's what a six-win team. Well, if we're talking about buzz and a team taking a big leap, I'm not buying the Titans. I think their their defense, there's not a lot to get excited about. Like, there's there's more players than you think, but there's not a lot of really plus players. I think they're kind of where Jacksonville was a year or two ago where people kind of get people get excited. They, two years away. They they certainly have Marcus Mariota who's exciting. They have some, you know, young offensive talent. Maybe Doriel Green Beckham will be good this year, but I don't think they're well, if Wes was here, he would be in on Cinderella and that's understandable because Wes believes that Marcus Mariota could potentially be a guy that's like an MVP conversation. Sure. And I think 
down the road, Marcus Mario can be that guy if he is, can stay healthy. Two words, though, why this is a pumpkin still. Mike Malarkey. No. Exactly. I mean, uh, I'll say it again. I've said it on this t- podcast five times. That <laughs> team was not playing hard for Mike Malarkey last year. They, he's shown he has a track record of failure in the NFL, and to think that all of a sudden this coach that has stunk his entire wow. pro career is now going to all of a sudden turn into this guy that's building a, a giant in the AFC, I think the true build rebuild for the Titans comes once they get in some real coaches and proficient player people in that building. I love the idea that this season is going to be Mike Malarkey's like magnum opus. He's going to have some <laughs> incredible, like, you know, they're, they're building this like power spread offense exotic smash mouth that's going to run over the entire division uh i you know it's malarkey hasn't stuck in his career i think that's his problem though is he's a very middle of the road well he was what two and 14 in jacksonville well yeah that wasn't good is one year in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to pull up his football reference. And certainly didn't light up the Falcons when he was the coordinator there he he's just kind of a keep the train moving he's professional He's just there. I'm not going to get into his work as a coordinator. I mean, just as a, as a head coach in the NFL, um, he doesn't have a lot of success. And he didn't, to me, show anything that meant he should be keeping the job after his interim job. Nine and seven, his first year in Buffalo in 2014. Then they dropped to five and 11. He got canned. No, he left. Oh, he left. That's right. The rare, rare movie. about that. He quit. In 2012, he resurfaces as a head coach, goes two and 14. Uh, gets canned and then goes two and seven in nine games last year. So you know, eighteen and thirty nine in four years, maybe it turns around. Maybe this is his Pete Carroll moment. You know, perhaps you're right. I mean, Carroll is the perfect example of the kind of middling to loser coach that changes everything. <laughs> well, uh, except for all of his national championships. I'm just saying there was I don't, track record. I don't talk about it. coordinator jobs. I don't talk about college jobs. I talk about when you're in the big chair in the NFL, Greg. That's I'm saying Carroll gave you some reason to believe that Malarkey has not. Okay. Uh, who else do we have on this list? The Rams. All right. So, let's talk Rams. I have a big-time uh, pumpkin grade on the Rams. Whoa. Mm. Where, where I am still riding because I was ground floor uh, Jags. Like, I was into the Jags when they were playing small shows, you know, like <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. But now everyone is ground floor Rams. I am so out. I, I don't think this is going to work at all. I have five wins projected for next year. And why is that? I don't think that they have a good secondary, and I also don't think that uh, – what can you reasonably expect from a rookie quarterback now? I mean, I know you're Andrew Lux of the world. Your Matt Ryans can get you 11-5 and five seasons right out of the gate. But a rookie quarterback without a great receiver or a tight end, too. And, and he's right at the top of the depth chart. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point. I mean, if he, if he has a uh, – because, you know – Mark, let's say he has a Mark Sanchez-type rookie season where it's injury-filled, but he stays on the field and plays just good enough to stay on the field. Then you need then you need the running game to be, what, like super dynamic. And Todd then, Gurley's got to have one of the best seasons of the – he's got to have a DeMarco Murray year. To, and you don't think that's coming? I think he might get close, but then still, I mean, where's your where's your Des Bryant? Where's your offensive line? Where's your Jason Witten? I mean, there's just not enough complementary pieces around to make him work, and I think they're going to end up starting – Probably two rookie tight ends, if not at least one, and uh, you know, I, and Tavon Austin is. It's been hard for him to other quarterbacks to get him the ball for four years. You know, this doesn't sit well him. with uh, Greg Rosenthal, who is a believer in the Rams. I, I wouldn't go that far. I was last year, certainly. I think it's more likely that they stay right on this seven-eight win path. <laughs> I do. I mean, they they did lose a couple pieces in the secondary. They have some great pieces on defense with Donald and Quinn and Ogletree and. 
and all that. But to me, it all adds up to uh, another mediocre campaign. It'll be interesting to see how they treat Jeff Fisher if that happens, but that's a long way away. But you're saying, Connor, that forget about 7-9. and nine, This could be a true regression. They're going to get worse this year. 5-11. and 11. Mm. You, you sound confident. Uh, you know, what does uh, Vicky Valancourt say at the end of uh, Waterboy? That's what it's going to be. I mean, Ooh, that's uh, you a know. little uh, tease to horrible movies right there <laughs> by Connor. All right, let's move on. Who else we got? Uh, the Buccaneers. Oh, the Bucks. I've also got, I, you know, so I guess now that we're really kind of forcing me to kind of toe the line here, I mean, I have them <laughs> projected at eight wins, but I think that's a pumpkin season for the Buccaneers. I think that <sighs> everybody thinks that Jameis Winston is going to be able to get them into the playoffs this year. That's their best season in a while. It's a first-time head coach, you know, a new defensive coordinator. I think they'd be happy. They would take eight wins with a young. I mean, it kind of goes along with the "Hey, we're young and we're building." You're youngery. Thing. I think this this division's a weird division. I don't know what to think about the Bucks. The I don't thing. have a I don't have a hot take on the Bucks because they they should be exciting. I mean, they should. They have Levante David. They have Gerald McCoy. They have Mike Evans. They have Jameis Winston. They have these like cornerstone guys, Doug Martin. But after after that, I don't know. I got to see it to believe they, it. I don't they, believe it. I mean, you just name the guys. They have a chance. And I think Mike Evans could have a nice bounce back season this year. Uh, and he wasn't even b- that bad last year. They could score a lot of points if yeah. if James Winston takes the next step as a passer. And he's – I mean, I know they lost their last five games or whatever last year, and that got Lovey can. But I, I thought that Winston showed a lot, and Wes – who's, you know, I put a lot of stock into what he looks like. He looked at every snap uh, of both Mariota and Winston la- uh, last season, and he came out of it kind of, you know, in terms of a coin flip, in terms of who he thought had a better year, and uh, he was a big fan of Winston. So I think there's plenty of reason to think that they can improve a lot. Yeah. No pumpkin! <laughs> Bad secondary. They've been looking for defensive ends for years. They added uh, Robert Ayers. Spence and Robert Ayers, so maybe that'll work, but they haven't really had a pass rush. No pass rush, no secondary. That's a bad call. That's not, yeah. But Lovey's defense was so bad that it's kind of like the Saints, that the Saints just think, look, we've had the worst defense in the league two straight years. If we can improve to the 21st best defense, we could be a playoff team, and that's that's kind of like the Bucks. If they could just improve to average on defense, they could be okay. What I don't like about the Bucks, though, is that like their fans are now chiming in. Now it's cool to be a fan of a building team, and it's like, look at how many first-year starters our GM drafted, and like the process. And it's like, uh, you know, you got to hold on to something. Come on, you know, just get over it. By the way, the last Bucks win happened, I believe, in late, late November, uh, and it was a dramatic victory, if I recall. Um, and I remember there was the locker room uh, video of Jameis Winston like yelling and everyone excited. And Lovey Smith with a big smile on his face. You think Lovey had any idea six months later he'd be coaching the University of Illinois? <laughs> yeah, not on. That's crazy. And and you mentioned that there all the fans are excited, and and that got me thinking about like why they would be so excited. I don't think people realize how bad the the Bucks have been. They've been last place for five straight years. But then if you really think back to to the end of the Gruden era, they have done a worse job building and having continuity than any team in the league. Gruden to Morris to Shiano Oof. to Lovey and there's about three or four three GMs stuck in yep. there. So they've done the opposite of building. So maybe they feel like this group with with I think Jason Light gives off an air of competence and has done an okay job that maybe at least they have something that's going to stick for a little while. And the final team, Connor, on your breakdown this week, Cinderella's and Pumpkins. Who you got? The Raiders. 
Ooh. I'm going to take a guess at this because I think the Raiders are what Connor's going to say because I think the Raiders are almost, you know, universally hailed as a team that's going to all of a sudden be in the playoff mix, nine or ten wins, and you agree, don't you, Connor? I do, but almost begrudgingly because I said, you know, it, it's doing this is almost frustrating because I feel like they're not going to live up to – these expectations. Well, I, you had I, all these teams improving. You just think everyone's going to be happy. and Except for the Rams. Except for the Rams. That's yeah. right. I mean, I have some teams improving, some teams not meeting expectations. And then, you know, the Raiders I have at nine wins, but I feel like a lot of people are pegging them as like a 10-11 win team. I just, I, I don't know. There's something that's not getting me 100% there, but I, I think they should make the playoffs. That division is wide open. So not quite Cinderella, but, you know, re- a, a big step up this season. I, I say Cinderella. If they make the playoffs or they win nine games and get within a game, I, I think that's a Cinderella. I think their starting lineups are awesome. And uh, with a little help with injuries, awesome. out of these five teams, I think they're easily the best team. And I think, I think I'd vote a yay if, I'm gonna I, had, talk if to- I had a vote. I'd put it over 10, uh, 10 wow. minutes or so. I am going to talk to our social media team, Greg, when we sell this podcast because um, this pull quote, I think their starting lineups are awesome. <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty bold state. Is that, is that a cool word to use anymore? That's Not really. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I do like that. Do you want to say point. something else? you want to replace re- the word and we'll use I, that? It really cracked us up once. There was a lunch lady who told us, told us one day that the Croutons that day, the Croutons are awesome. <laughs> the what? Make fun of that. The Croutons. I don't know oh, why the... she said Croutons, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like... That was what I knew. Awesome was not really that cool a word. It's a memorable moment for you, though. That's good. <laughs> it's like back then. Yeah. Middle school. If you want to, like, update awesome for this millennium or this decade, you could be like. Dope. Uh, yeah. You could say dope. I think their starting lineups are dope. Or you could say, <laughs> I think their starting lineups are killing it. People like are that. big on killing it right now. Yeah. Everybody's got to calm down a little bit with killing it because it's not that great and in terms of an expression. Yeah. It's being used now by, like, you know, like baby boomers. A savage is another one. Hey, by the way, just mildly disagreed with what? anything does, is not <laughs> savage. Oh, wow. That's savage. <laughs> it's all I see is savage. Savage, bro. You're killing it. <laughs> Um, I hope these words don't make their way out east. I think you guys kind of get everything Brand, first. You don't got killing it out there? Uh, not yet, but, you know. Mm, Brandon's never looked at us like we're any older than right now. I think he's embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> <you> got, <laughs> that's right. You got to have that Vince Lombardi drop, buddy. Well, I mean, I'm never embarrassed by you guys. I just want oh. to oh, say that. Thanks. Sweet. All right. Before we go, let's now – that's it for uh, the – Cinderella's and pumpkins. I didn't hear actually one Cinderella there. I don't even know, but I think we might have to take this entire series in a different direction. Cinderella is supposed to make a Super Bowl run. That's what Cinderella's well, are about, or like it's at least like progress into teams. the playoffs. You know when you have a good idea and then you talk it out and realize it's a horrible idea? Yeah. I think that's played out in live fashion <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. Nobody gotta... making a playoff. <laughs> win a playoff game. What a nine and Check seven. Check out NFL.com. Just got to change the the titles, you know, spin a little different trendy teams or something. All right. Let's talk about some horrible movies. All right. So, you know, the deal, if you're a listener of the show, Connor Orr, this is a couple of months back now, was looking for a kind of an off-season uh, thing to tackle, to, to spend some time. He doesn't have any kids yet. He's married, but no kids. He's got a dog, right? Little dog. Yeah, yeah. there's only so much you need to do with a dog. So you have plenty of time. 
so he was going to tackle AFI's, the American Film Institute's top 100 movies of all time. He was going to just blow through the list so he could feel a little bit more cultured when it comes to the uh, silver screen. Uh, strangely, we haven't really heard anything about horrible movies. You know, we'll check in with him on our uh, on our IM client, and you haven't heard much. Uh, so now, Connor, that we have you here, we, we need an update. It's like when corporate calls you in to explain something that's going awry in the business. Uh, we've called you in to find out what's up with horrible movies. To ask me what I've actually been doing. Yeah, what have you been up to, <laughs> Connor? What is it that you do here, Connor? <laughs> Uh, so I got through five, and uh, so this is kind of a two-parter. Uh, the majority of them are so stupid that uh, I'm going to give you <laughs> kind of my five hot picks for the summer of just any movies, kind of some Connor or favorites. But, right. uh, you know, we, we can kind of, I guess, parse out the top five a little bit and just – The top five of the AFI of the list. AFI so list, So you yeah. did watch the top five. I saw that. the top five, yeah. So you started – the idea was you were going to do I it. I saw right? most of the top So you went from 100 <laughs> to most of the top five movies. So you yeah. really scaled am- the ambition here. Okay. So, like, uh, on the AFI list, number five, uh, Singing in the Rain, uh, which is classified as a comedy – I watched like 25 minutes of it. I didn't laugh, and I realized it's kind of like since we were talking about Pitchfork earlier. It's like yeah. it's like the Pitchfork equivalent of putting like an Animal Collective song in the top five yeah. songs and being like, "But it was so important for the future." And it's like <laughs> this movie was just dumb. It wasn't funny. It was you know just a bunch of old people singing and getting wet. You know. So I agree to disagree on that one, but I'm gonna. It, this is your segment. So <laughs> singing in the rain. Uh, Good meta move. Was horrible. Know? Not horrible. Horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. Okay. Gene Kelly, Debbie O'Connor, Debbie Reynolds rolling over in their collective graves. <laughs> they all share one grave. All right. Next next up on your list. So, Signal of the Rain, no good. Okay. Number four was the only one that was good. Bobby D, Raging Bull. Nothing wrong with that, man. That's that's a great movie. Jersey guy coming out. The only problem, though, uh, the fighting scenes were not great. You know, if you watch a boxing movie, you're kind of out there looking for that ridiculous Rocky thing where if it happened to someone in real life, they die. You know, in the ring if they yeah, sustain right. that many punches. That's kind of the the aesthetic that you're going for, but. It, it was good at the well, time. I think they, the the fight scenes people thought were revolution. You know, they were they I, were it was known for. I think they were viewed to be incredibly kind of visceral and important at the time. <laughs> but what you're saying is it wasn't as good as the Avengers or something like that. Uh, yeah, Creed. You know, well, Creed actually is. They kind of reinvented the in ring fights to the point where uh, Michael B. Jordan actually took a knockout punch and they kept it in the movie. Good. But yeah, you're saying not that I don't like him, but that's what you should be doing. You yeah, know? you should be. You're saying of, Bobby D didn't sell it well enough, or Scorsese. I, I'd like to see him take a few more hits to the noggin. <laughs> but you liked it. You liked it. Was that. Good. Right. It was you okay. still it was rated fun. ahead of the final seventy minutes of Singing in the Rain that you did watch. Good lord, yeah. If you gave wait, if so you so gave <laughs> if you gave uh, Raging Bull a, a letter grade, what would it be? I would say like a like a B minus. Okay. You know? Next up. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Uh, next up is uh, is The Godfather. Uh, okay, I mean that's a classic. It's fine, but you're gonna have the 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 Godfather die in a wheezing in a tomato patch. Like he's just oh. like, Ugh, you know, like sitting Boy, there, like he can't. Oh, okay. uh, come on, Connor's a bad job by you. The Godfather <laughs> is. It cannot be argued that that's one of the great films of all time. Yeah, I, I liked it. You know, the Don the Don passed away. He was an old man who had survived an assassination attempt. And he had to. The only way to move the the movie forward is to to let uh, his son take over. 
if you, you know, and I understand, like, you know, people are like, oh, and it symbolizes the passing, passing of time in a, in a place of growth, in a growing tomato patch, but he's dying or whatever. And it's like, no, you know, have him go down like Scarface, you know, a little blow, a little machine gun, you know, have him really kind of fired up a little bit, you know. This is, this is very millennial right <laughs> now. Okay, so uh, not a good grade for uh, the Godfather. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> what was your grade for The Godfather? I did a C plus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got what else? Casablanca. Uh, just Casa boring, you know. They <laughs> uh, <laughs> just get on the plane or don't get on the plane, you know. I, I didn't really understand that one. Yeah, be honest, you didn't watch one <laughs> minute of Casablanca. I watched probably like twenty five minutes of Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a lie. What Why cr- should we trust your opinion on movies again? <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah, you you haven't heard my hot picks though. So okay. That's, uh, you well, know. well, what about? By the way, I'm 30 seconds away from getting Spice Rack on the phone. <laughs> oh god. What's the last movie? What's then? the last top five? Citizen Kane. Oh yeah. All right. That's Obviously, Citizen Kane, widely regarded as one of the great achievements in the history of the cinema. Uh, there's nothing bad you can say about that. I just think we need to redo the list because we're basing things off of how important they were at a time for now and how influential they are. But, it, you know, it's just, that's not even a criticism of Citizen Kane. What? It's just a you, def- you didn't see that movie. Yes, I did. I did see Citizen Kane. Yeah, it was the sled, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, okay. you, know, you know, the whole movie, it's a sled. It's like okay, I don't. I'm, I'm not with you on Singing in the Rain. Think that holds up great. I I, I am with you at this point. If you watch Citizen Kane, slides King, down the common man right? <laughs> whatever. Uh, it's entertaining. Uh, Citizen Kane. It it is different. You know, if you you might have watched it in film class or something like That's that. That's right. But it, it's you know, it doesn't mean you're gonna have a, a jolly good time watching it. Let's be honest. Connor didn't see the movie. He's, he's, <laughs> I did watch the movie. I made it through four minutes of my film appreciation class in college. <laughs> We watched the first scene of American Beauty, and then I just got up. I said, I can't take this, and I left the class. Can I, can I just put this out there? The, the, your whole – and we do want to hear your five picks for the summer, but the whole idea of horrible movies was for you to gain culture and to watch different types of cinema and appreciate films in a way maybe a true buff does. Uh, it doesn't sound like you ever really gave the exercise a chance. Well, no, I think what I'm doing is I'm providing a service. And for people who are trying to do the same kinds of things that I am, I'm here to show you that, you know, I've got five great easy rockers for you to, to bang all right, this let's summer. Hear them. And, let's and, hear and, you know, and you don't have to worry about culture with other people. All right, let's hear it. Here, all right. So number five, the b- best cast sports movie of, of our generation, uh, Angels in the Outfield, which is a great, like, early 90s, so you you have you have you have major issues with Marlon Brando dying in The Godfather, <laughs> but Tony Danza dies in Angels in the Outfield, and you're cool with it. Spoiler alert: Tony Danza plays uh, fireball pitcher Mel Clark, who gets them uh, all the way to the World Series. Uh, and then, yeah, he's a smoker, and so all of our spoiler I, alerts are after we spoiled it. Which is a problem. Yeah, Tony Danza's character smoked throughout the entire film. I think that's you know they were it was foreshadowing, and even for a movie for a PG movie for a young kid, I mean that's that's some big stuff. All right, what's uh, what's the fourth movie? Uh, Something's got to give with Diane Keaton and Jack. Uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholson. What? what? Where did that come from? I would say uh, uh, you know you want a classic love story, kind of a modern love story. It involves kind of instant messaging, <laughs> email, old people. Uh, <laughs> It's You're not, a Keaton fan in general. You find her, 
you find her alluring? I would say like if I was 70 and I was going to a movie to look for like a best looking 70, that would be her. I would that that would be she would be my Angelina Jolie for that age bracket. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right, number 3. Draft Day. Classic. <laughs> Kevin Costner. Uh just I mean, I've watched it in English and Spanish. Uh it's Are you talking about this draft day? You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? Great movie. Uh so quotable, uh, you know. Just... We quote Mark's review of it all the time. <laughs> Is that even a top five Kevin Costner sports movie? Oh, I, th- I think so. It, it holds up. It's you terrible. Talk about holding up well. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's so bad. I saw it for free. They let us see it for free, and I, I barely made it through it. Got her. Fight through this negativity. We're going to do it. Uh, By the way, two? Did, would you say one last thing on draft day? Would you say that it's full of heart from start to finish? <laughs> Because that's what Mark said. Okay. I agree. I right, agree. Number two. Uh, I think I'm going to redeem myself a little bit with this one because it was also critically acclaimed. One IMDb commenter said it was the greatest character-driven film of all time. So, number two is Heat. All right. The De Niro, Pacino, uh, Michael Mann, I believe. Michael directed. Mann, written and directed. I can't. I mean, uh, I don't even know what this list is. Just <laughs> great movies or your favorite movies? I don't even know. What these it is. are these are in lieu of you know if you're going to try to do what I did and culture yourself this summer. Here's five. Watch these instead. Watch these instead. Instead of the AFI list. All right. Wait, yeah. Man. Everybody likes Heat. You like Heat? Oh, you haven't seen it yet, Greg. Yeah. You should see Heat. I mean, you should. Yeah. That's that's all I really got. It's crazy. Skip Angel in the Outfield and check out the last great Pacino De Niro movie. And then number one, kind of an L.A. flavor, uh, uh, starring my, one of my favorite actresses, uh, The Canyons with uh, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> that is uh, kind of mixes in the modern day elements of of of. Love and jealousy and texting and oh, it's great, you know. Start. Well, <laughs> this seems to be a, a trend. You look for movies with texting, modern <laughs> modern elements of love. If it has texting, well, I like it. Well, you're a big Brad Easton Ellis fan, right? Yes. You like yes. American Psycho. This yes. is written by him. He thought this movie was very misunderstood. I have been meaning to see it just to just to see. Uh, it was so good they didn't put it in theaters. They put it right onto your TV. So I saw a few scenes from that film, and it didn't look like it was shot with cameras that <laughs> were used in Hollywood typically. It just seemed a little bit on the low budget side, that's all. Nothing. I think it, yeah, to me it's it like was. movie chaos. I love it. It's great. All right. So Rules, rules of Attraction. You ever see that? If you're looking for that is a, an underrated a, a sneaky Brad Easton Ellis pen, uh, at least based on his book. A little bit dark. All right. Sorry. I don't know what to say. Sorry, uh, everyone. And that is Horrible Movies with <laughs> so sorry. Connor Orr. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't think the feedback's going to be great on Twitter. Uh, I think people are going to have an issue with your list. I'm not coming back on Wednesday. Let's be real. Uh, I, we, we're going to have you on unless, you know. I've never seen. Now I know exactly a Godfather how fan kills Jack, you. Jack is going to feel like if he ever comes home with a bad report card, like that'll be the same reaction that Dan <laughs> just gave you for the last five minutes. Five. Uh, Felt like an hour. No, I, I'm saying the, re- <laughs> the reaction. I, was- I enjoyed it, Connor. Very interesting. I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about you know the cinephiles out there that that love the silver screen. They're going to be pretty disgusted with you if they're fans of the show. Seinfeld sucks too. I don't care. <laughs> <All right>. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, okay. Connor will be back on Wednesday, uh, perhaps to redeem himself after what happened at the end of today's show. Um, and uh, it will be uh, Wes will be back as well. So we'll have uh, four horsemen, another turn of the Rubik's cube. Uh, until then. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Mr. Horrible himself, Connor Orr, and the boss, 
And the Irishman behind the glass. Till Wednesday. Full of heart from start to finish. Delivers on the great tension of the NFL draft while showing how human the entire process is. Mark Sessler, NFL.com. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.